0: Welcome. This is the Woodbury Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We're glad that you tuned in, and if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find out all the information at woodburychurch.org, or we'll see you some Sunday, Sundays at 10 a.m. Looking forward to it. I am the normal preacher, and um, I preach every single week. I'm just kidding. I am the youth minister And uh, one thing that you may not know is in about a month, I am coming up on my one year anniversary. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So I just wanted to take this time at the beginning uh, to say just thank you so much. So I moved from Arkansas just over almost a year from now. My dream since I've been here is I wanna know what it means to be a (laughs) Minnesotian. That's that's all I want to know. I just want to know what it means to be a Minnesotian. So I've been listening to you all. I've been closely observing and I really just want to know and capture what it means to be a Minnesotian. And I think that it all comes down to one question that everybody asks themselves, and it is, is the winter worth it. (laughs) That's what you all ask, and you can say, ah, no, I don't, no, I don't. But the truth is, everybody in Minnesota asks, is it worth living here? Is the winter worth it? And you also may not know this, but I've broken you down into three different categories of how you deal with the winter. And so I just want to share with you that I have three reasons why I think that y'all show that the winter is worth it. The first one is the escape artist. And so the escape artist tries to get through the winter by leaving and fleeing from Minnesota any chance that they can. They go and they leave, they take vacations, they do whatever, and then they come back when the winter is nice and warm. The next person is the hibernator. And this is the person that you can invite them to do anything. You can ask them to leave their house, and they will not leave the warmth and coziness of their house. You can go ahead and bet that you're not going to see them again until there is warmer weather. Okay? That is the hibernator. And the last one is the apologist. And this is the person that says, Minnesota is the greatest place in the world. I don't care what anybody says. Blah, 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 blah. The winner is worth it. Blah, 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 blah. And if you didn't know, we have our very own Minnesota Apologist right here, Mr. Patrick. And if you want to hear the top 10 reasons why the winner is worth it and why you should live in Minnesota, you can talk to him after services today. But I don't care who you are, how much you want to say that you don't. We've all asked the question, is the winter worth it? If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be spending almost the whole time in a book called First Peter. So the audience of First Peter was made up of these new Christians that were spread across Asia Minor. During the time this letter was written, Christianity wasn't illegal, okay? It was so new that it really couldn't have been illegal. There were these people, and they weren't being thrown in jail for their new religion in Christianity. They weren't being killed or beaten, but they were persecuted because their families, their coworkers, and neighbors all hated them and think that they were weird all because of their newfound faith in Jesus. They had a hard time getting jobs, and overall, they just couldn't be a part of society. You know, when we look at what they were known for, when we look at what they were misunderstood for, it's honestly kind of understandable. Because these Christians called themselves brothers and sisters, okay? And could you imagine if a husband was calling his wife a sister, If they were calling each other brother and sister and they were married, what would you most likely think that they were doing? Practicing incest. They took this thing called communion, right? We took it today. Communion was a very new thing. And people believed that they were literally eating the body and blood of Jesus. They thought that he went, they dug up Jesus, put him on the ground, chopped him up into pieces, drained the blood and drank it and ate it. What would you think that they were? Cannibals. So these new Christians practicing this weird religion, they were misunderstood, weird, and everybody thought that they were practicing incest and cannibalism. They couldn't get jobs, they couldn't make friends, they could not be members of this society. Could you imagine trying to live knowing that you have this new faith in Jesus, this new faith in the resurrected Savior who you've never met, and you're putting your whole life on the line for your new faith in Jesus Christ. You couldn't do anything, you couldn't provide for your family. Some people were getting divorced, all for the sake of this new faith. So the question is just like the winner, these Christians wondered is their faith in Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Because if they gave up following Jesus, if they went back to their old ways, they probably could have got jobs, they probably could have provided for their family, their lives would have been made a whole lot easier. So, was Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? And this is where the Apostle of Hope, or better known as Peter, comes in his letter, 1 Peter. The point that Peter is painting is that these Christians should know that it was worth it because of the hope of a reward, the hope of a prize. You know, the reason why almost anyone does anything is for a reward or a prize. You know, you can probably think of a time when you were a little kid and you would do anything for a reward. I'd clean my room in hopes of getting like a dollar or a toy, take out the trash in hopes of getting like a dollar or a toy. I, to confession time, I would even massage my dad's crusty, calloused feet, all in the hopes of a new toy or a dollar. But the funny thing is that it doesn't change when we're older, it doesn't change. We work hard, we go to our jobs in hopes of some money. Uh, We work hard even harder in hopes of a raise, right? Uh, We get good grades in hope of a scholarship for our future. You know, I've seen some people do some pretty crazy things for a reward. I mean, you can watch it all the time. These people are, like, camping overnight for a new game, and they're, like, trying to win these new T-shirts. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I even went to Nelson's Ice Cream Shop. Okay, Nelson's Ice Cream Shop, and Drew wanted me to shout him out. Best ice cream scooper there is. Go see him in Nelson's in St. Paul. But I attempted the Lumberjack Challenge, okay? And this was five monster scoops of ice cream, and I did it with Zeke. Zeke didn't win. I did. just wanted everybody to know that. But I did all of that. I ate so much ice cream that I woke up in the middle of the night almost puking. I was sick for days, and I did all of that just for this reward of a picture of myself why I did it all so if you ever go to St. Paul's Nelson's you can find my picture on the wall but the point is I could go on and on and on but we are motivated by rewards and this is no different for the Christians here that we find in first Peter they knew that their hope in Jesus was worth it they knew that the faith in Jesus was worth it all because of their hope for a reward Just as Greg read, 1 Peter 1, 3-5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an awesome start. Peter motivated these Christians with a reward that is everlasting and is so much better than anything that they could ever get on this earth. Through these trials and hard times, these Christians can have hope. For when it is all said and done, they will have a reward that is imperishable, undefiled, and kept in heaven for them. They now understood that through their persecution, they were working towards the greatest reward ever, which is a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, I believe that the word of Jesus holds power when we think of this salvation, when we think of this picture of eternal life. In John chapter 10, 28 through 30, it says, I give them eternal life that they shall never perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. This is the reward. It's worth it because of this reward. Eternal life that shall never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is the reward. This is the reward. They knew that it was worth it because of their newfound Living hope for eternal life that shall never perish and never be snatched out of their hand. This is how they knew not getting a job, being persecuted was worth it. But Peter doesn't start his illustration. He doesn't stop his illustration there. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 9, it says this. In this you now rejoice Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Following Jesus was also worth it for these new Christians. All that stuff was worth it. Because through these various trials, although they didn't see Jesus, experience Jesus through all these trials, their faith was tested and was made stronger. We learn here in 1 Peter that although these Christians were canceled, y'all know that word, canceled in their own cities and towns, they were literally made invisible. It was not all for nothing. Because through this pain, these Christians' faith was only made stronger and became more precious than gold. You know, although, I know you look at me, Although I am obviously not a bodybuilder. Okay, maybe. Maybe I could be. This reminds me of how muscles work, okay? And this is a picture of me. Oh, can we get the clean one? Okay, there we go. <laughs> so this is a picture of me when I was a kid and I was obviously a muscled up little boy, right? Now I'm not a bodybuilder, but I know how muscles work. Muscles become bigger and stronger when they are broken down, worked out, and destroyed. During a workout, it often feels like it's not worth it. I don't want to do one more rep. I don't want to do anything. My muscles are literally being destroyed. I'm tired. You're sore and you're sweaty and you just want to go home. Yet through this pain, your muscles become bigger and stronger. You cannot always see the progress in the moment, yet sooner or later, you will see that your hard work has paid off. You can see and hope for the gains. You can see and hope to look like me, right? But the audience of 1 Peter was worked out. They were beaten, they were destroyed, they were tired, they didn't wanna go through this anymore, they wanted friends, they wanted jobs, they were beaten, worn out, and destroyed. They were hopeless. But Peter was reminding them that they can have hope that through all this pain, through all this weakness, through all this getting destroyed, all this getting made fun of, all this getting canceled, that their faith was being made stronger. So they have hope of a reward in heaven, eternal life, salvation. They have hope that their faith was being made stronger. But you know, the question that we ask, and it's like any book, any magazine, any article you read, what does this author know about hope? Why can't he just write this letter? What makes him the expert? What does he know about being beaten down and destroyed? What does he know about trials? What does he know about feeling hopeless, right? That's what you ask when you're reading an article. You want to find that PhD. You want to know that they are an expert. You're not going to read a book on finance and not see that they work in finance, right? You're not going to read some book about what do I do when I have a weird thing on my shoulder. You're going to hope that it's a doctor, right? And that's the same thing that we should do with this scripture. We should look. What in the world does First Peter know about anything? And this is also a test to see if you were paying attention on Easter. So Peter was a fisherman who was called by Jesus. He walked personally, hand in hand with Jesus. He lived with him. They were like family. You can imagine that they would be pretty close. I mean, Peter literally gave up his job as a fisherman, gave up everything and walked every single day with Jesus for years. He personally witnessed Jesus minister to others, perform countless miracles, and love others recklessly. Peter was even the first apostle, first disciple to call Jesus the Messiah. Peter was the first one for his eyes to be open and he realized who he was walking with. He knew exactly who Jesus was. He knew exactly what Jesus was about. He knew that Jesus was special. He knew that Jesus was the chosen one. He loved him. But when the climax of the gospel happens, when it all comes down to this, and Jesus was handed over to the officials to be crucified, what did Peter do? Luke chapter 22, 61 through 62 says this. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he whipped bitterly. And he went out and he whipped bitterly. Although Jesus was with the Messiah, although he was like a family member, although he knew him, although he walked hand in hand with him, he still denied Jesus and claimed not to know him. Could you imagine how Peter felt after this? Could you imagine waking up every single day and knowing that you just denied the Messiah someone that you loved so dearly and spent every single day with could you imagine how hopeless you would feel the bible says that he wept bitterly yet that was not the end of the story peter didn't go and live the rest of his life hopeless weeping bitterly because in mark 16:7 it says But go tell his disciples, and Peter, and Peter, and Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Jesus has defeated death. He has been resurrected from the dead. And who does he want to see? Peter. The hopeless man who denied him three times, although he walked with him, although he knew he was the Messiah, he denied him. And Jesus called for Peter personally. Regardless of the sin Peter committed, regardless of the fact that Peter literally denied Jesus three times, Jesus still loved him and wanted to see Peter. He even asked for him by name. When Peter was hopeless in his sin, in his mistake, Jesus beat death and filled Peter with the living hope of salvation and forgiveness that he did not deserve. Peter was a first hand, first hand witness to this gospel of hope. So, what did Peter know about hope? He knew everything. Did Peter need hope? Yes, he did. And that's why he wrote the letter. 1 Peter is my favorite book in the whole Bible. I studied it in school. It was the book that I was assigned in my preaching class. It's the first book I ever preached through. I love 1 Peter. Because I believe that it is so good for us today. Not just for the people reading it. I think it's good for us Because I think that sometimes we live in a world today which is much more like this audience of 1 Peter than we may realize. Just like these Christians, you know, in America, Christianity is not illegal, okay? We don't risk the chance of walking out those doors and being shot on sight, like some people in the world do. We are not being killed or thrown into jail for being at church on a Sunday, but let's be honest, it's a little different. It is a little weird because we too can be canceled and alienated from society by those around us for our faith, because we can be misunderstood. We can be misunderstood for our faith because some of the very values that we believe are clear in scripture cause us by the outside world to label us as judgy people, homophobic people. Bigoted people who do not deserve a place in society. It is weird for us to be a people who believe that we should give a percentage of our money back to the church. And not keep it for ourselves. It is weird that we believe that we should only be with one partner. It is weird that we believe that we should fight the joys of the flesh. And that we should pick up our cross and we should follow Jesus. It's weird to admit that we are wrong. So do you ever question, is Jesus worth it? Is faith worth it? Is all that's worth it? Are these rules, regulations, persecutions, and trials worth it? I know, I know that they are because of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. He makes it worth it. All of these truths in 1 Peter, all of these truths about Peter apply for us today. We too can have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and realize that our Christian walk offers us hope that we cannot get from anything else on this planet. Whether we know it or not, our lives are dominated by hope. Did you know that your life is dominated by hope? We put our hope in jobs. We put our hope in family. We put our hope in retirement. We put our hope in vacation. We put our hope in status. We put our hope in things every single day. But life has a funny way of taking those things away and what are we left with? Where has our hope gone? Where has our hope gone when our jobs are taken? Where does our work, where do our hope go when our health is taken? Where does our hope go when the things we put our hope in is gone? Because without hope, prisoners of war quit and die. Students lose hope and drop out of school. Sports teams just give up and choose to lose. Marriages end and the list goes on and on and on. Jesus Christ offers us a hope that is undefiled, non-perishing, and will not fade away. The prize of salvation is eternal life, and that will not let you down. We too can have hope in the prize of salvation of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm really lucky because, you know, I have a bunch of people I can talk sermons with. But you may not know this, but my dad is a pulpit minister. So every time I'm getting ready to preach, I call him up, and I'm like, hey, Dad, I'm preaching. You know, got any words of wisdom, anything you can help me out on? And we had a conversation about hope this week. And he said something that I think is, changes everything about hope, the way that we think about it. He pointed out something that I think is so, so good. And it is that our hope, our definition as people in the world, our definition for hope is much different than the definition for hope that is found in Scripture, that is found in Jesus. You know, we often say things like, man, I hope I can get a job. I hope I can get married. I hope I can raise my kids up in the Lord. I hope I can make money. But we say those things with doubt knowing that they may not happen, right? That's how we use the word hope. But the Bible describes hope not as an if, but as a when. We are saying that we know that following Jesus is worth it because we we know we are forgiven of our sins and we know one day that we will spend eternity with him. That's what hope means. No doubt is found in the hope of Jesus Christ. None. That is why following Jesus is worth it. Because of the good news, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ creates hope in us. That is a guarantee. It teaches us that when we go through pain and trials of life, It too can make us stronger and make our faith more precious than gold. You know, something that I hear more and more as I was going through school up into my senior year is how outdated the Bible is. And how it holds no truth for our lives today. It doesn't fit my world, right? But you see, I hope you can see through studying 1 Peter, through studying Peter that these same truths, this same hope, this same salvation that is kept in heaven for us, that is much better than anything on this earth is still true for us today. And that is why we need to put our hope in Jesus Christ. Do you ever feel like Peter? Because I know I have denying Jesus even though I know the great things that he's done for me in my life even though I know that he saved my father even though I know he has given me this job even though I know that he's given me wonderful wonderful people in my life he continues to wake me up every day keep me healthy he's done all these awesome things for me and most importantly he died on the cross for my sins I deny him every day And sometimes I feel hopeless in my sin, stuck. I feel hopeless in my life, not thinking that I can do anything, not thinking that Jesus would ever want to see me, ever want to spend any time with me. But this hope applies for me too. And this hope applies for you too. This hope is a guarantee. I'll welcome the uh, worship team up on the stage right now. <clears throat> this hope is everything. And if we as a church, I want you to think about, what are you putting your hope in today? What are we putting our hope in today? Because if it's anything but Jesus Christ, it's no hope at all. It's a hope that's clouded with doubt. It's an if, not a when. But if we as a church put our hope in Jesus Christ, we will not be let down. And we will receive our reward that is kept in heaven for us. So is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth it? I would say, oh yeah, oh yeah. Let's have Peter answer that for us. Is Jesus worth it? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time.